Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, come on. You guys, to 8 o'clock, they did really good. You have to try again. Let's try again. Merry Christmas, everybody. There we go. What an amazing story is it not when we respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I love that Melissa shared, you know, this is, this is kind of out of the norm for me. To, to, to stop and engage in that, that conversation with somebody you shouldn't know. And let me just take this moment this morning to encourage you as you go about your day here, as you head home into your neighborhoods, as you're at work, as you're at school, doing whatever it is that you are doing in the coming days and weeks, to listen and be sensitive to where the Spirit of God directs you. Because you never know the difference you're going to make in somebody's life. And so be sensitive to that and use that as an opportunity to engage in authentic relational community with the people in your lives. Because you never know how far a simple hello will go. And this morning, and I, I think I forgot to introduce myself, so let me do that. My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I just want to say again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being with us. But this morning, we are going to be talking about our Christmas series called A Story to Tell. And, and what I want you to perhaps understand today is this. Is that I think sometimes... We miss how big Christmas is. I think sometimes we, we have become content to simply compartmentalize Christmas to a day, a month, or a season. And my hope this morning is that perhaps as we look at this text together, as we look at what it means to have a mighty God as our Savior, that perhaps this morning, we will see that Christmas is bigger than we have given it credit for. In fact, you know, I think this actually has played out in our culture very well. Uh, many of you have heard of a Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? That picture is just iconic of Christmas. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, turn to your neighbor, neighbor and apologize and say, please show me this later on after the sermon is done. Okay, because you need to. But, but to, to help you understand a little bit, Charlie Brown, the main cast character, is just beside himself because he's trying to figure out what Christmas is about. And all he sees is the consumerism around him. He sees how everybody is just so focused on their own self, on the gifts they get. And at the culminating moment in this film, Charlie Brown cries out, can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And from the background comes Linus, sweet, quiet, forgotten Linus, who walks up with his blanket and he says, sure, Charlie Brown, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about. And he goes, lights, please. And he drops his blanket and begins to tell the story of Christ's birth. And in that moment, Linus communicates something to Charlie Brown. Christmas is bigger than we give it credit for. 
Christmas is much larger than perhaps we have assumed it to be. And this morning, I, I would actually assert to you that's even bigger than what Linus hit on in that film. And what I am hoping to do today as we progress through this together is to perhaps draw us to this understanding that, that Christmas is bigger than just a moment. It's bigger than a season or a time of year. And my hope today is that we realize that Christmas is actually a lifelong engagement relationally with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we are in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And actually, this morning, we're going to be kind of jumping around through Scripture. And so if you have your, your phone, your tablet, you have the Bible with you in, in the pews, or if you're like, I can't keep up, that's okay, we'll have it on the screen too. But here's what I would love to do is we're going to be looking at the phrase mighty God this morning. I would love just to read for you from Isaiah 9, 6, and then we will begin our journey in understanding what that, that descriptive phrase, mighty God, looks like for us in our lives with Jesus Christ. So if you would follow along, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This phrase, mighty God, is interesting for a few different reasons. Um, the first is because it stands in stark contrast to the king at this point in Israel's history. King Ahaz is in control at this point, and he's anything but mighty. Um, in fact, he, he's kind of a puppet king. He allows for the kingdom to just be broken down. He allows eventually for his people to head into exile and to become slaves. He allows for just everything to crumple as he seeks to elevate himself. He's the, the, the antithesis of what a mighty king should not be. And he sits there and it's this stark contrast between mighty God and a failing mighty king. But the other interesting note here is um, that Isaiah's prophecy is a description of a baby. And, and I think we sometimes miss that, right? Because usually when we look at babies, I don't know what you guys do, but usually when I look at a baby, I'm like, oh, your baby's so cute, could you cute? And then they cry. I don't know why. Nobody's told me yet, but they cry, right? Um, some of you are like, oh, we'll tell you. Um, but like we sit there and we're like, oh, that's what a baby is. We don't typically think of a baby as mighty. We don't look at a baby and go, hey, kid, you're going to be a real capable leader one day. Hey, hey, those muscles you got, they're only going to get better. I know, right? That's not what we do. We don't look at a baby in that way. We typically, when we think of a child, of a newborn baby, we think of somebody who's vulnerable, defenseless, in need of protection. So Isaiah is playing with this, this phrase here, and he's really drawing us in to understand, you know what? Um, guys, um, he's going to be different. But it's also interesting as we look at this because this phrase, mighty God, is actually a military term. He's using this to describe this, this conquering king. He's using this to describe somebody who's going to come and, and rock this world and radically alter it. This is going to be a, a, a guy who comes and changes how everything is. And when the nation of Israel would read this, their perception became 
he's going to come and he's going he's to throw off the, the yoke of Rome. He's going to come and he's going to eliminate the, the physical oppression that is here. He's going to take our opponent, be it Rome, be it the Assyrians, be it whoever, and he's going to storm the gates of Israel. He's going to plant the Judaic flag in the midst of the city and we're going to be the superpower again. And Israel's perception was he's going to be a conquering king that eliminates our physical oppressor. But the reality is this, is that Jesus didn't come to just defeat our physical oppression. He came to defeat our eternal oppression. For you see, if we, if we relegate Christmas to just a singular moment, if we think of it as just a day, we miss how great the culmination becomes. For you see, Israel in this moment, they didn't understand. They didn't understand that it wasn't just that he had come to earth to be this king. What they thought is that they wanted the Messiah to be what was expected. But Jesus came as the Messiah that was needed. See, Israel's perception was like, we want this conquering king. We want him to come in and storm the, the gates of Rome and to eliminate them and establish our kingdom. And Jesus is like, do you, do you guys even hear what you're saying? Do you even comprehend what you're saying right now? Because to say that is like saying, hey, I have a broken arm. Can I get a Band-Aid? It doesn't fix the issue. Jesus came as the conquering king, the mighty God, to overthrow the oppression that has held us in bondage. And the cool thing about this phrase, about mighty God, is this. Is that when we track this phrase throughout scripture, when, when we look at this phrase in different parts of scripture as it relates to Jesus Christ, you can actually see this progression going from his birth to his death and after. And it's this interesting wordplay that Isaiah uses, that the Bible uses to help us understand that Christmas isn't just about baby Jesus. But it's bigger than that. For you see, the, the next time that we can trace this, this attribute of mighty God associated to Jesus is on the night before he's crucified. Check out what it says in Mark chapter 14. It says this in verse 62. It says, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the, the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus has been brought to trial, falsely accused, and is about to be murdered for crimes he didn't commit. And the high court in the land has just looked at him and said, is it true that you proclaim to be the son of God? And he goes, I am. But then he paints this beautiful imagery by saying, but don't worry. You're going to see me sitting at the right hand of the mighty one of God himself and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now pause for a moment and think about this. In our humanity... We are weakest at two points, our birth and our death. And yet in those moments, we hear the words, mighty God. 
Again, we see that Jesus is not what was expected. He's what we need because the reality is this, is that Christmas, Christmas cannot stop with baby Jesus, but rather it culminates. It culminates in the defeat of sin at his death and resurrection and his equipping of us to have continual victory. See, if we relegate, if we compartmentalize Christmas to a singular day, to December 25th, because you know that's when he was born in Israel, apparently. Um, But if we just focus in on that one point, we miss what it's all about. Because you see, if it stopped with baby Jesus, we wouldn't be here. If he simply came as a baby and the story ended, there would be no church. There would be no resurrection. There would be no sanctification. We wouldn't be here this moment. But rather, the the culmination of the Christmas story is that Jesus came as the Messiah that we needed. And he realized the oppression at stake was, was spiritual and eternal. One that condemned us to hell. And when he was born, he came as mighty God down to earth. He lived a perfect life, and he humbled himself to live as a human being. And he lived perfectly, and he walked that cross as a sacrificial lamb, and he hung on that tree. For you and me, as mighty God, he died for us. And as mighty God, he defeated what has held us in bondage, and he kicked open the gates of hell and stormed out and said, no, the beauty of Christmas is this, is that it doesn't stop. Rather, it culminates in the defeat of sin and in the equipping of us to have continual victory. You see, Christmas isn't just a day. It's the beginning of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because at that moment when he set foot, everything changed. When he came down from heaven as a child, everything changed. When he came as mighty God and took this world by storm in a way nobody could have ever thought Everything changed, and we now can have a relationship with him. Christmas is a lot bigger than we've given it credit for. It's the beginning of an ongoing relationship with the king of the world who has come as mighty God and reigns as mighty God. But I said earlier, this is actually a militaristic term that they use of mighty God. And it's interesting when you think about this term from a military perspective because a good military leader comes to his people and he fights for them. Just as Christ came for us. Just as he fought for us. And at times a good military leader will even sacrifice themselves for their people. Just as God sacrificed himself for us. But a good military leader, no matter how great they are, no matter how sound their strategy they realize that the threats always abound. They realize that there's always going to be oppression. And so rather than say it rests only upon my shoulders, what they do is they equip their people. They train them. They give them the resources and the tools. They give them everything they need to have continual victory. And if we think back to this phrase, mighty God, in relation to how it corresponds to Christ in our relationship, it is interesting that the very next time we see this pop up has to do with the armor of God. 
In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 11, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. A good military leader also equips his people to have victory as well. And pause and think for a moment here. Like, I, I think we sometimes miss this as well. Note that it says, put on the full armor of God. Not the full armor that God gave to you. God has literally said, hey, I am mighty God. I came for you. I died for you. I defeated death for you when I rose again for you. Oh, by the way, here. This is what I wore when I did it. The beauty of Christmas is that's the beginning of an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't just stop on December 26th. That it just doesn't end once the new year rolls around. It's about a continual relationship with Jesus Christ because he came for us, he died for us, defeated sin for us, and has now equipped us. And that is a conversation we need to be having all the time with people. That when people see us, it's not just that we celebrate Christmas on the 25th. They see it radiating from us as we show them the power of the mighty God. And as we engage with them, it's important for us to understand maybe some of the character traits of who a mighty God is. And what I want to do is I want to perhaps show you some, some attributes, not all of them, but some attributes about who this mighty God is and what that means for us. And the first is this, is that our mighty God fights for us. Our mighty God fights for us. Remember, this is a, a militaristic term, and that is encouraging because there are battles, folks, that we can't win. When Israel heard that proclamation, they assumed they knew what that meant. And the reality is they were missing the mark. And Jesus goes, don't worry. I got this. Don't worry. What you have assumed to be your need, I'm actually going to meet that. And even greater, I'm going to meet the eternal need that you have. He fights for us. Check out what it says in Psalm chapter 24, verse 8. It says this. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. How refreshing is it to know that it does not depend on our strength. How encouraging is it to know that God is strong and mighty in battle. That when everything assails us, we don't have to worry because he's strong and victorious. A mighty God fights for us. But a mighty God also protects us. Because here's the reality. It's one thing to be a great fighter. It's one thing to be the hero. But if you're engaged over here, what about your people over here? If you're engaged, who's protecting your people? But the cool thing about God is he's already figured that out. He's like, don't worry, I'm, I'm not just going to fight for you. I'm also going to protect you. I've got you. 
that when I'm over here engaged and you're like, oh, they're coming my way, don't worry, I'm going to stand there and block it and save you and protect you. In fact, Deuteronomy 7.21 says this. It says, do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. When protection falters, we fear. When there is no protection, we are terrified about the result. And what we are told here by the writer of Deuteronomy is the exact opposite. Don't be terrified because there is a great and awesome, you can actually translate that as mighty God who is covering you. That this, this baby who came fights for us and protects us. Because the reality is that he came as the Savior of the world. But again, a mighty God, it's like that's great that he fights for us and protects us. But what happens if, fill in the blank, well then, mighty God steps in and he saves us. Because the reality is, folks, we are all in desperate need of a savior. We are all so desperately lost so desperately broken that we need a savior. And this mighty God who comes in and fights for us and protects us, he also dies to save us. He's willing to do whatever it takes to protect his people, to save them, so they can stand in relationship with him. Zephaniah 3.17, the first part of the verse actually says this, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves How cool is that? That that child who was prophesied about by Isaiah is a mighty warrior who saves us. Christmas is so much larger than we give it credence for. So much grander than we could ever proclaim. That it must be talked about more than once a year. But it's not just that our mighty God fights for us, that he protects us and saves us. Because that's great. It's great that he does everything. But here's the cool thing. Again, he equips us. Just like Ephesians 6 says, he doesn't leave us. He doesn't abandon us when the fight is done. He doesn't go, hey, check out what I did. He goes, no. You wear it. And he gives us the very armor he used to have victory over our eternal oppression. Jesus Christ is so awesome. I think if we relegate Christmas to a singular moment each year, we miss that. As I was walking through this text and studying it and, and saying, God, what are you attempting to teach us through this? I was convicted in my own heart about how I don't live out Christmas each day. That it has become just a time of year. We sing Christmas carols only after it becomes December, if you're a good person. If you're apparently a horrible person, it starts after October. Um, like, if we, if we think about Christmas in the context of, of 
commercialism, right? It's like right after Halloween is over, like November 1st, boom, Christmas displays in stores. And we get frustrated by it. How dare they? We forgot Thanksgiving, that holiday that we just gorge and watch football on. How dare they? Or God forbid it stays up in the January and we forget to put up displays for New Year's or Valentine's Day. We chide our neighbors who never take down their Christmas lights. Some of you are instantly shamed right now. It's okay. Forgiveness, it's what we focus on. Um, But the reality is that's how we've been conditioned to believe. Is that Christmas has just become a time of year. When instead what it should be is a continual relationship with Jesus Christ that shows the world the power of our mighty God. Christmas doesn't end on December 26th. It's a continual engagement showing the world what Jesus Christ has done in our lives and will do in theirs. I think another way that maybe perhaps we have looked at Christmas has been through Christmas cards. Um, ooh, as I break the microphone, sorry, Billy. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you guys... Um, are like me, but there tend to be two types of people when it comes to Christmas cards. Um, There's really good people, and after December 25th, um, you take your cards, you put them very nicely away, you categorize them, you put them in a box, maybe you'll look at them, or at least tell us you will, um, and you'll save them, right? Those are the good people, and then there's people like me. December 26th, you're like, woohoo, recycle, right? And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I can't, I'm sorry, I'm just being real, okay? Um, But like, there are some of us who that's how we have been conditioned to focus. Or you think about like, if you get a Christmas card after Christmas is over, you're like, I guess I have to wait till next Christmas to open it. (laughs) Right? Some of you are like, oh, he did get that. Um, But like, here's the thing. We have been conditioned to think that way. We have been conditioned to relegate Christmas to just a moment when instead it should be the ongoing relational result of what Christ has done in our lives as we show that to the world. Christmas doesn't stop because a baby was born. It simply began and is now continuing because that baby who was born is mighty God who defeated the grave, went to the cross, and rose victorious over sin and said, now you're mine. That's the beauty of Christmas. And so this morning, my challenge to you is this. As you've heard us talk about this quite often, we have these amazing Christmas cards. These were designed by our communications team here at Hershey Free. We didn't order them. We didn't, we didn't buy them in bulk online. We said, no, we're gonna, we, we want to be intentional with this. Because here's the thing. My challenge to you is this. Is to pick up these cards. To give them to the people in your communities who need to know the truth of Christmas. And don't let it be something that that you go, okay, good, I did my job. I sent my cards. Let this be the catalyst for ongoing relational community as you seek to permeate that relationship with the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christmas, that Christ came and died for us so that we could have life eternal. And then equips us to have continual victory each and every day. These Christmas cards become an opportunity for engagement with your community as we point them to the truth of the gospel. Don't let it just be a card. 
Let it be an invitation to a relationship with Jesus Christ and a friendship with you. Will you pray with me? Awesome God. There are not enough words to proclaim how thankful we are that you came for us. There is no, no way to adequately proclaim how awesome you are. But I pray today as we respond to your word, as we declare that you are mighty God, let this be an opportunity for us to perhaps reshape our perspective, to reshape how we engage, and to allow for this celebration of Christmas to become a lifelong proclamation of the power of Jesus Christ. We are so thankful for you. We are thankful that you loved us, that you came not as the Messiah we thought we wanted, but as the one we needed. Thank you for being mighty God, and we pray this in your name. Amen.